Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. I strongly support and value the uniqueness of all individuals and provide a safe community where diversity is embraced. Through my mentorship and signature program called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. For more information and to get on the wait list for any of my programs, see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am Karen Fabian. I'm your host, and this is episode 190. Oh my God, we are 10 episodes away from 200. I'm going to have to think of something really cool to do for the 200th episode. Um, Today is June 20th, 2022, and I hope you had a nice weekend. It is Monday. I always record on Mondays. And um, I just want to start out with just a short story, which is really just a personal story. I don't I don't know that it has any real relevance to anybody else, but it's just such a crazy story. I just thought um, it would be fun to start with this. So I live just outside of Boston. I mean, I don't technically live in Boston, but I live really close. So I usually just tell people Boston. Although if you're familiar with uh, with Boston and some of the surrounding towns, I live in Brookline, but I really live in Chestnut Hill. But my mailing address is Chestnut Hill, but the town uh, like garbage pickup and all of that is Brookline. Anyway, uh, if you are a golf fan like I am, um, this weekend, you probably know, was the U.S. Open. And um, it was at the Brookline Country Club, which has just an incredible history. Uh, If you've ever heard of Francis We Met, he was someone who was a caddy at the club. He lived across the street from the club. And he was, I think, gosh, 19 or 20 when he won the U.S. Open <clears throat> and he beat us, um, I believe the gentleman's name was Harry Varden in a playoff. And it was just the stuff of golf lore. There's a really, really good movie called The Greatest Game Ever Played. And it recounts the whole history of, of the match and of his life. And anyway, this weekend, the U.S. Open was was at the Brookline Country Club, which Technically, I could walk to. It's a little far, but I actually did walk home from from the event because I went on Monday with my boyfriend. He got tickets, <clears throat> and it was just a practice round. But um, it was good to be there, and I picked up some stuff to send to my dad. And um, it was good to be like on the grounds and seeing how they were getting all prepared for the start of the tournament on Thursday. So it was a wonderful event uh, that I watched on TV because I was just there on Monday and it got down to the final day yesterday and there were two um, guys really in the running for one of them was going to win. And I kept saying all week, God, I wonder where all the players are staying because there really aren't a lot of hotels around here. And in the final hole, couple of holes, it was revealed that one of the players, um, Matt Fitzpatrick, who looked like he was in the running to win, was staying with uh, a family, a local family. And they said the family's name. And it turned out that the guy was my old boss. (laughs) His name is Will Fulton. He was my old boss when I worked corporate, which was many, many years ago, over 10 years ago. And then at the end, when indeed this this uh, this young gentleman won, Matt Fitzpatrick, they showed my old boss, Will Fulton, standing on the green there to congratulate him. And as it turned out, 
the winner, Matt Fitzpatrick, had actually won on that same course as an amateur like 10 years ago. And he had stayed with my boss's family then as well. So it was just this kind of just surreal ending to this week of living, you know, 10 minutes from the course, seeing golfers all week, seeing US Open cars driving around all week, tour buses. Every time I would go out for a run, I would see all these big tour buses taking people back and forth to the event. And, um, and then on the green at the very end, the awards ceremony, my old boss, it was just crazy. And I just have, you know, for those of you listening who are yoga teachers and you've left a corporate life to teach full time, and even for those of you who are working and teaching on the side, um, you know, you have those memories of, I, I kind of call it my former life <laughs> before I was a yoga teacher. And, um, and to see, you know, to see someone who I worked for, who was, um, you know, a big part of my former corporate lifestyle, uh, you know, at this event that was so much a part of my life this week, because I was really into it was just crazy. So anyway, so if you did watch any of the US Open on TV, uh, you know, it was an absolutely incredible tournament. And I always think golf is a lot like yoga. It's really all about the process, all about the practice. And if you get attached to results, that's where it really, really can, can be a challenge. So I always like to head into when I play golf, just a lot of the same attitudes and behaviors I have towards my, my own personal practice, which is just to go out and enjoy it. So having said that, <laughs> We are going to launch into uh, the topic for today's episode, and I'm going to start out, you know, just by kind of kind of referring you to another podcast that inspired me to focus on this particular topic today. And I think for those of you who have been listening for a while, you know, I am uh, a super fan and have deep admiration for Dr. Andrew Huberman. Uh, professor of neurobiology and ophthalmology at Stanford School of Medicine. I've been a longtime listener of his podcast, which actually has only been around for about a year and a half. But in that time, it's amassed thousands and thousands of fans. And all you have to do is go to his uh, YouTube channel where he also posts the episodes and you'll see just the thousands of just comments. And it's insane, his Instagram and, and everything. He actually did two live events, uh, his first live events in Portland, I believe, uh, last month. And it looked like when I looked at his Instagram stories, he got a really good turnout. So if you haven't checked out his podcast yet, and you are kind of a science geek like I am, um, it's a great, great follow. And um, this week's episode, or actually last week's episode, was about flexibility. And I was particularly interested, of course, uh, as a yoga teacher, and I knew that some of the concepts he brought up on his podcast would be relevant for us here in this podcast with really um, a, a special slant, which I'll go into in the application of some of the concepts that he discusses uh, to our practice as yoga teachers to our, to our approach as yoga teachers, uh, because that isn't necessarily something that he went into. Although at the end of the episode, he does talk about a particular study, uh, that was done. I believe it was a study done by someone at NIH, uh, national institutes of health where yoga practitioners were the intended study participants. And I, I'll leave it to you to go, to go, uh, listen to that. I won't, uh, spoil, I won't spoil it for you because it's very interesting. Uh, and it's towards the last few moments of, of the episode of, of that podcast episode. But um, I knew that, you know, in the front end of it, a lot of the information or all of the information he is sharing is really kind of the application is really in the context of general fitness and health and wellness. I was listening with an ear towards how can I use this in the context of being a yoga teacher. And I knew I wanted to share it with you because I knew as a listener of my podcast, 
you're most likely a yoga teacher. And this information is important and helpful for us as teachers to know so that we can appreciate the mechanics of what's happening in our students' bodies. And it can inform the way that we share cues and really in, in as it relates to flexibility in particular, how we, you know, answer questions from students because, you know, so many people have this notion that flexibility equals health, flexibility equals the way I want to have my body be. And yes, we definitely want uh, some flexibility in the body and flexibility and range of motion. I don't, I don't necessarily want to say they're synonymous. However, when we have flexibility, we generally have healthy range of motion. And when we don't have flexibility in the muscle, we generally do not have healthy range of motion. And it can, the lack of healthy range of motion can be from other things. You could have a bone on bone situation. You could have an injury, you could have inflammation. So we have to keep that in mind. However, if we're just looking at flexibility, it is, um, I think a reasonable statement to say that when we have healthy flexibility in the body, <clears throat> we will have good range of motion in the joints. So, however, it's kind of a, a, an adjunct here. What many people believe is that a lot of flexibility is what we're going for. And I think as yoga teachers, we are faced with that impression from our students. And we may not even have conversations with our students about the fact that they have this impression, but we may see them on the yoga mat doing things in a way that may give us the impression that that's what they think, right? And so a specific example of that might be, let's say I'm teaching extended side angle and I have people going into a half bind. That's what I'm teaching, but I see a student struggling to get the double bind not using a strap, not really being in healthy alignment, but still trying to connect the hands. And as I'm looking at that person, they're totally internally rotated in that upper shoulder. They're totally facing the floor because they don't have the requisite flexibility or range of motion in that involved shoulder to externally rotate it. So they're out of alignment. That to me is someone who in their head is thinking, I need to be really flexible. Flexible equals healthy and what I'm going for. Or you'll see a student in downward dog and they're pushing, pushing, pushing away from the floor and their legs are super, super straight. And so I look at a student like that and I think that person has the perception that they need to be really flexible, that there's some inherent value there. So keep in mind, you know, when we look at the infrastructure of the body, we've got, of course, the skeleton, we have the muscle, we have the tendons and the ligaments, we have the fascial connective tissue, you know, all of those components make up the body and many other things I haven't even gone into. The point that I'm trying to make here though, is in order to have healthy infrastructure of the body, every component needs to play its role. And when we think about muscles and working them to a, to a, um, a consistency, I'll use that word for lack of, an, of a better word I can't think of in this moment, that's super flexible, that affects the infrastructure of the body, right? The best example of this I can, I can share with you is if I have really flexible hamstrings, I might have a pelvis that's hypermobile because the flex, because the hamstrings originate on the ischial tuberosities, the sitting bones. And so the degree of tautness that they have is central in how stable my pelvis is going to be. If I have hamstrings that are very, very flexible, my pelvis is going to have some extra mobility there 
that might not be good for walking, running, balancing on one leg. I might need to really depend on the lateral hip stabilizers to compensate for the fact that on the posterior hip, the hamstrings are really loose. So I bring this example up as a way to kind of illustrate that every muscle contributes and the consistency and the amount of flexibility in every muscle contributes to the overall health of the entire body as a system, as a movement system, HMS, human movement system. In the exercise science world, that's how it's referred to. And so when we look at the body as a system, when we appreciate that all these components play their part, we can then begin to appreciate that we want every part to play its role and, and having good, healthy muscle, again, consistency depends on a good amount of flexibility and a good amount of strength. And, um, and I think that as teachers, we oftentimes without even having conversations with our students may be coming up against looking at them in certain poses and making sort of the assumption that perhaps this person thinks I've got to be really flexible. So, you know, our way around that, how we, how we work with that, sometimes maybe we might approach that student after class, maybe in the example I gave of the student going for the double bind, who's really doesn't have the requisite flexibility and joint range of motion to, to get into that in a, in a proper way. Maybe we approach that student and give them a strap, or maybe we encourage them to release you know, the double bind or, you know, there are, are different ways we can approach it. So having said that, um, what I want to do is cover a couple of concepts that Dr. Huberman speaks about in this episode. And again, just to kind of put you on um, the right track to, to locate the episode, the title of the episode is Improved Flexibility with Research Supported Stretching Protocols. And I would give yourself two hours and a notebook to go through this, because that's what I did. Um, and I took copious notes. It's a fabulous, fabulous episode. And you can listen to that on the Huberman Lab podcast or watch it on YouTube. Um, I will include the link to the episode in the show notes for this episode of my podcast. And you can always get to the uh, show notes of my show by going to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and then go to the podcast page, pick this episode, and you'll see the show notes that go just with this episode. I know many of you probably, I know you're probably listening to this just on your phone via iTunes or Podbean. And so you don't have access, you're not looking at my website, but you can always, after the fact, uh, when you're sitting at your desk, pull it up that way and look at the show notes. So I'll include the link to the Huberman Lab podcast in, in uh, the show notes. The other um, reference I'm going to use is the reference of uh, from NASM, I'm also a certified personal trainer. So I have gone through uh, two different certifications with NASM. Uh, the National Academy of Sports Medicine, and they have an excellent um, journal, not journal, they have an excellent training manual that I used as part of my original training. So some of what I'm going to be sharing with you comes from their uh, proprietary training guide um, that is part of becoming a personal trainer. So the concepts I'm going to share, there are two concepts in particular, and they have to do with the nervous system. And to be totally honest, I don't actually get into a lot about the nervous system, which probably sounds a little strange <laughs> considering it is kind of the, it is so central, no pun intended, central nervous system. It is so central to everything we're doing when we think about movement. However, my approach to honing in on teaching anatomy to yoga teachers really looks at the musculoskeletal system with some references, of course, to the nervous system. These concepts though that I'm gonna share with you today uh, are really, really central to the nervous system. And they have to do with um, two sets 
or two types of sensory receptors or two types of receptors, I should say, because one is sensory and one is mechanical, two types of receptors that are part of the nervous system. And the reason I want to talk about these two things is because it relates specifically to what I just described earlier. And those examples I gave you of you as a yoga teacher watching your students move in a particular way on the mat. And these concepts about the nervous system will essentially help you as they've helped me to understand more about, well, what really is the risk to the student who is pushing themselves really hard in a particular pose to maybe get into the posture, or maybe they're driven by this desire to have really stretchy hamstrings. So they're pushing really hard in downward dog, or they're doing a seated forward fold and they have their legs really straight and, you know, all of this energy. And what's been interesting to me that I want to share with you to learn about the nervous system is that we have these stop gaps. We have these kind of emergency breaking systems that are part of our body that are there to prevent over stretching. And I think this is such an important concept and concept for us as yoga teachers to know because it speaks directly to those examples I just shared and essentially means that we can't really as individuals voluntarily overstretch ourselves. And I think on some level that's good to know because it means that the body has an internal safety mechanism built into it to prevent that kind of thing. Now, of course, let's say you're going for a run and you trip and in order to right yourself, you, you know, kind of do something in a jolting way to the body. You might overstretch in that scenario because that's more of like a traumatic scenario or an injury type thing or an accident type thing. What I'm talking about more is when we're voluntarily stretching. So there are different types of stretching and, and Dr. Huberman gets into that in the episode. I'll briefly talk about it here just by focusing on dynamic stretching and static stretching, which is so much a part of yoga practice. There are other types of stretching, ballistic and, and proprioceptive neuromuscular feed PNF stretching, but we're going to specifically focus on the two types of stretching that's such a part of, of, our, of our yoga teaching. Uh, so keep in mind that these two concepts have to do with internal breaking mechanisms that the body has to prevent overstretching. So let me first go to the um, NASM uh, training, what do they call it? NASM NASM Essentials of Personal Fitness Training. So this is the fifth edition. And this is again, the training manual that I was referring to when I was taking my test. So the two concepts, the number one overarching concept is this idea of mechanoreceptors. And mechanoreceptors are components of the nervous system that live in muscle that communicate to the nervous system. So mechanoreceptors, and I'm reading here, are specialized sensory receptors that respond to deformation of body tissues. Deformation simply means a change in position of the receptor, which generates a nerve impulse. Now, there are different types of mechanoreceptors. And this is where we get into this breaking mechanism that I'm talking about. So one type, and Dr. Huberman refers to these in his um, episode as well. One type is called muscle spindles. And I'll just read you the definition. Muscle spindles are small mechanoreceptors found in the belly of skeletal muscle that measure the amount and rate of stretch. I always remember spindle stretch, SS. When the muscle is lengthened too much or too quickly, the muscle spindle sends impulses to the central nervous system, resulting in 
muscular contraction as a protective response. This happens when practicing static stretching in flexibility routines. When the muscle is stretched to a point the muscle spindles deem potentially dangerous, the muscle is triggered to contract, disallowing, i.e. blocking, any movement that goes further into the stretch. Like, isn't that mind blowing? <laughs> I honestly think that that is just so incredibly mind blowing that the body has that automatic ability. I mean, it's the body is just amazing. Okay, so that's muscle spindles. Remember, spindles sense rate of stretch, how much stretch. And they're going to put the brakes on if you're going too far beyond what you can tolerate. The other type of mechanoreceptor is a Golgi tendon organ, GTO, Golgi, G-O-L-G-I, Golgi tendon organ. They're located at the musculotendinous junction. So the spindles are in the belly of the muscle. The Golgi tendon organ is at the junction, the tendinous junction where the muscle attaches to the bone. The GTO measures the amount and rate of tension that develops within the muscle. If the tension developed is too much or the onset of tension is too rapid, the GTO will cause the muscle to relax as a safety response. And imagine if it didn't, the muscle and bone would, the muscle would just pull off the bone, which could happen in trauma, but we're talking something voluntarily. During flexibility training, this happens after the muscle spindle causes the protective muscle uh, contraction. This contraction creates the tension that the GTO measures in this circumstance. As the GTO monitors the muscular contraction, it will signal the muscle to relax after approximately 30 seconds of applied tension to the muscle. At that point, the joint can be taken further into its range of motion. This is the rationale behind why a static stretch is held for at least 30 seconds to allow the GTO time to inhibit the muscle. So there's essentially kind of a, I wanna say push-pull, but it's not really push-pull. There's really a coordination between the muscle spindle is sensing the rate of stretch. Remember, spindle stretch. The Golgi tendon organ is sensing the rate of tension, or I think Dr. Huberman called it applied force. And they are working in conjunction with one another to allow you to go into your stretch safely. And that 30 second rule, this is the rationale behind why a static stretch is held for at least 30 seconds to allow the Golgi tendon organ time to inhibit the muscle, time to allow the muscle to relax. So these two um, components of the nervous system become central to what's going on in the body as we're moving on the yoga mat. And this 30 second rule becomes, I think, helpful for us as yoga teachers to, to know because I don't know that we're necessarily, I mean, we're definitely not holding people in yoga poses for 30 seconds throughout a lot of the practice. However, there may be some postures towards the end of practice where we might allow people to stay in a pose for, for 30 seconds. Think like your half pigeon, you know, any kind of restorative stuff you do at the end. Now, one of the really cool things about Dr. Huberman's episode is he does reference a number of studies uh, throughout the episode. And I'm going to bring up one in particular. And this one study, I'm actually going to just pull up. I, I took a couple photographs so I can give you the references. And again, I'll include the link to this in my show notes. The name of the study is the effective time and frequency of static stretching on flexibility of the hamstring muscles. So basically the study went out, the, the, the authors of the study went out to, to look at how long do you need to stretch your hamstrings in order to see 
um, flexibility improvements? You know, is it a minute? Is it five seconds? Is it five minutes? Like, what, what is it? And so I'll just give you a little more about more background. The purpose of this study was to determine the optimal time and frequency of static stretching to increase flexibility of the hamstring muscles as measured by knee extension range of motion. So remember, if I can extend my knee because my hamstrings flex the knee and extend the hip. So forget about the hip part. If I can extend my knee, my hamstrings have the requisite flexibility to allow me to have good range of motion in my knee joint, hamstrings insert on the knee, right? Uh, so, my, so my knee can go into extension. If I don't have you know, good flexibility there, I might not have the same amount of, of knee extension. So the purpose of this study was to determine the optimal time and frequency of static stretching to increase flexibility of the hamstring muscles as measured by knee extension range of motion. There were 93 subjects in this study. What they concluded, the authors of the study concluded is we demonstrated that although stretching for 30 and 60 seconds one or three times per day for five days per week for six weeks was more effective for increasing muscle flexibility as determined by knee extension range of motion than no stretching. There was no difference between stretching one or three times per day using either a 30 or 60 second duration of stretching. So they go on to say in conclusion, therefore a 30 second duration is an effective amount of time to sustain a hamstring muscle stretch in order to increase range of motion. So there's that 30 second thing again, which is pretty amazing that there's consistency between that study and the NASM um, book that I'm pulling my data from uh, that I've just read to you. And so what that does for us, again, the reason I'm using these two sources, Dr. Huberman's podcast episode and, and the NASM book, uh, and of course the study, which was contained in his uh, episode, is to relate it to our work as yoga teachers, right? So this does, you know, sort of inform an approach to teaching yoga that is slower, right? That is slower that doesn't have people whipping through pose and pose and pose and pose nonstop. Now, again, is it reasonable to think we're going to hold warrior one for 30 seconds, warrior two for 30? Probably not. However, it does speak to the benefit of longer holds. Maybe it's not 30 seconds, but maybe slower, longer is, um, is something that can allow people to start to see the benefits of improve flexibility and we, with it, what I talked about at the beginning, better range of motion in their joints. And that's really, I mean, over time as people age, we have, you know, all we will experience decreases in range of motion. That's part and parcel with aging. However, we can mitigate the impact of that and help our students do that with the frequency of work that we do in this stretching zone. And so this gives me an opportunity now to talk about two of the four types of stretching, just so that we're all on the same page when we think about types of stretching. So in his episode, and uh, there've been other discussions I have even had on the podcast here about types of stretching. When we look at the different types of stretching uh, in terms of approaches, we've got dynamic, proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation, which is PNF stretching, static stretching, and ballistic stretching. However, as Dr. Huberman says, and as has been documented in other articles and books, the when we look at static stretching in particular, we can break it up into active and passive. And this is where I really want to focus my discussion with you today, because that's a lot of what we're really doing as yoga teachers. We're doing active, you know, dynamic stretching, which is kind of vinyasa flow type movements. And this is of course where the pace can come into play. And we're also in part doing passive stretching. Now, 
I know when I look at a student and they're completely passive in the stretch, there's no support for their joints. This is what sometimes I might call hanging in the joints or you might hear other people call hanging in the joints. However, so it's not that, passive doesn't mean there's no support, right? If I look at someone in half pigeon and they're like slumped on their side and they look like they're laying on their belly on the couch or in their bed, that's not half pigeon. However, if I look at someone in half pigeon and they're in the pose and they have the, you know, kind of the alignment of the posture, that is somewhat passive because they're, they're allowing their body to relax towards the floor. It's more of a relaxation into the stretch, as Dr. Huberman says, versus uh, a really active dynamic movement where stretching is of course happening. Right. Remember, as we're moving our body, we've got the concentric contractions happening. We have the eccentric lengthening. Eccentric lengthening, to a certain extent, can be considered stretching because the muscle is lengthening. If we look at the muscle fibers, they're lengthening versus shortening, which is the concentric action. As I, for instance, as I come into crescent lunge with my right foot forward, my hip flexor on the right is concentrically contracting, my hip flexor on the left. It, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, my hip flexor on the left is lengthening. Uh, if I look just on the right side, my hip flexor on the right is concentrically contracting and my gluteus maximus is eccentrically lengthening because that hip is in flexion and the function of the glute max is hip extension. So in my point is in dynamic stretching, I'm uh, dynamic movement, there is both concentric contraction and eccentric lengthening. If we look just at static stretching as a category, we've got active, we've got passive. So active, you know, we're kind of putting some effort into the stretch. Let's say it's a low lunge and we're actively stretching. Passive might be half pigeon. So those are your two examples there. So, you know, in summary here, in even though a lot of your work perhaps may be looking at the body through the lens of musculoskeletal, learning the muscles, learning the bones, learning the joint movements. I mean, this is all the heart of what I teach in uh, the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program, my, my signature program for yoga teachers to help them master anatomy so that they can share their cues confidently and answer student questions enthusiastically and, and, you know, really create sequences easily and quickly. I focus in that program on the nuts and bolts, the musculoskeletal system. However, I hope through this conversation, you've developed uh, an appreciation and understanding and a knowledge, maybe a new knowledge for the role of the central nervous system and these mechanoreceptors in the body that are there to put the brakes on voluntary movement that we might do, that our students might do, that could potentially put them at risk. Uh, and these things are there to prevent, you know, that kind of overstretching from happening. So remember, muscle spindles send stretch, too much stretch, stretch. Golgi tendon organs or GTO sense tension, too much tension. And both of those will put the brakes on the stretch or put the brakes on the tension to allow the muscle to contract or relax, whatever is needed in order to prevent too much flexibility before the body can handle it. So in closing here, I hope that you found this helpful it's a little bit more of kind of an academic deep dive than some of the other episodes I've done. I love to do these kinds of things because again, I love the data, I love the science, I love the terminology, I love the learning. Um, I, I think it's just, I personally love diving into this stuff. And I think for you, you may either have this appreciation and love for, for that as well, and it may also be that it's just helpful for you to, to know as yoga teachers, some of the, you know, kind of inner workings of the body. And I always love to share, you know, those kinds of things that inspire me in the hopes that you'll find them interesting as well. And of course, the ultimate goal is to help us be more knowledgeable about how the human movement system works, 
because the more we understand about it, the better we can help our students, connect with our students, provide these cues, create these sequences. It just makes us better teachers. So what I want to do in the final two minutes of this episode is I want to share with you, you know, I'm recording this again on Monday, June 20th, and today is sort of the official day that I'm going to start to communicate with my email, my VIP email list, and, and you all, the podcast listeners, uh, information about upcoming workshops. And I've talked about this a little bit in the prior two episodes, how I'm going to be changing up a little bit of how I offer workshops. And for the past year, uh, if not longer, I've been really dedicated to once a month offering a free workshop experience where I teach a little anatomy, I teach a little skill building for yoga teachers, and um, I offer at the end of the workshop an opportunity to enroll in that program I told you about before. And what I've decided to do is change the format because I really feel like nonstop free workshops really just enables people to just consistently stay in that free workshop space. And there's only so much <laughs> that you can get out of free workshop experiences. I mean, depending on which one you go to, you'll get a different topic. There's really no consistency from workshop to workshop that allows you to build your knowledge like you're building a house. You're not going brick by brick. It's kind of like you're putting the window in one day, then you're putting in the door one day, then you're putting in the driveway one day. And that, you know, even though that's sort of what people do a lot of times is they go out there and they do all these free workshops. And I've certainly been doing that. I wanted to come up with a more comprehensive approach that would really allow teachers to get the most out of the time they're spending when they go to these free workshops. And by get the most out of it, I mean actually be able to take away things that will improve their teaching and have it be part of a comprehensive approach that really they can lean into almost like a continuing education curriculum, almost sort of like being in school, but not exactly, right? Not with, not with any of the yuckiness of whatever you didn't like about school. So with that, what's going to happen is on June 29th, I'm gonna be starting my summer workshop series. And once a month, June, July, and August, and then ongoing, but to kick it off, I'm starting out focusing on the summer. I will be offering a workshop that will cover something different. So the first workshop is June 29th at 5 p.m. Eastern time, and the focus is going to be the hip. Every single workshop will have a similar approach that will focus on me teaching about the anatomy of the particular body part or whatever the topic is, me then teaching application of that information to teaching. Because remember, if I just go into the hip anatomy and I don't give you anything about how to apply it to teaching, what good is it? It's just stuff in your head. So every workshop will always include applying the information to teaching. There'll be demos. I'll show you pictures of muscles. These will be more involved workshops than the ones I've done before because they're going to be part of a bigger program like I'm talking to you about now. So you'll have your June workshop, your July workshop, and your August workshop as the kickoff. The way that you'll access these workshops, though, is you'll be supported because guess what? You are going to be able to access my online course. So you won't just be going to the workshop and then see you next month. In between, you'll be able to access my online course. So you'll be able to go through the lessons in the online course to build your understanding of anatomy rather than just doing this little boop, one hour or hour and a half workshop. And then you leave and you're like, well, I don't really understand the hip other than this little bit that I just got out of this workshop. That won't happen because now you'll be able to spend the interim time going through the lessons in my course so to learn more about the hip, to go through the chapters, uh, the modules, the videos about the anatomy and looking more in detail at the muscles and learning more about the different components of anatomy. Now, if you decided you wanted to just have access to the course and all of the bonuses that come with it when I normally launch the course, you can do that. You can do that. 
It's just that I'm going to give you an interim option where you just have access to the course. And so the pricing will look like this. This is what you're in. These are what your two investment options are. You can come to the workshops, June, July, and August, and have access to the course for $59 a month. And that'll give you access to the course, the monthly workshops, and I'll be doing them every month. It's just that I'm for right now, just focusing on the summer series. And that's, that's what you'll have. You'll have the course uh, and you'll come to the workshops. If you want the bonuses that come with the full program that I do, meaning the coaching calls, the anatomy manual, the access to the practice portal, which has dozens of sequences in it, you can get all of that. And the price for all of that, the investment that you would make in all of that is $1,997. However, if you sign up for the full program before that workshop on June 29th, I'll give you 50% off. So it's just 998 bucks. So you basically have sort of a self-study option or more of a coaching option where I am supporting you as you go through the program. And both options give you access to these workshops. And every month, these workshops will be on a different topic. I'm starting out with the hip, I'll do the shoulder, I'll do the spine, you know, we'll be on month to month going through different topics. So this will be, that's why I call it kind of a continuing education track. This will be a, an organized way for you to know I am constantly adding to my learning. I am constantly, you know, improving as a yoga teacher. I have this backbone of this online course to learn the anatomy as a supplement, or maybe I decide I just want to invest in the program outright because I will tell you the coaching that I do with yoga teachers makes a huge difference. And that's why, you know, I, I really, honestly, if I had a choice, I would say invest in the full program. However, I'm giving people this 59 dollar a month option because I want you to have um, an option that's not priced at the same level. And you can cancel at any time. It's just that when you cancel, you'll no longer have access to the course or the workshops. Uh, however, you can decide. Maybe you just want to do it for the summer. Maybe you want to see how much of the course you can get through in 90 days and you just want to do these first you know, three workshops, or maybe you just go to one workshop and you see how much of the course you can get through. And then that's it. You can cancel at any time. What I hope you'll look at this as though, as a way for you to be uh, able to access ongoing training as a yoga teacher, ongoing community, ongoing resource access, so that you can always be improving your teaching always be up-leveling the ability to connect with your students, always be increasing the opportunity for you to earn money for what you do and position yourself as an expert. So that's the deal. How do you get access to this? All you need to do is go to the events page of my website, which is normally where I post my workshops, and you'll see, I'm going to actually put it up there today, you'll see the link to the invitation page that has all the workshops for the summer listed, and then the link to, to purchase uh, either option, the membership option or full and outright. And on that offer page, you're going to see the special code BLP50, which is the 50% off code you can use if you enroll before the first workshop on June 29th, if you wanna do the whole program. If you just wanna do the monthly membership with the cancel at any time option, it's 59 bucks a month and you can, you know, you can do that too. So either way, the other just final thing I'm gonna tell you is, you know, at any point in time, you can sign up for this just on the homepage of my website. So you don't even really technically need to go to the events page. If you go to the website right on the homepage, you're going to see the link on the first page there to enroll. 
enroll in the program and you can do that. It's just that the link with the description of the workshop schedule is on the uh, events page. And um, the actual invites to the workshop live now in the course. So there'll be no more like I'm sending you emails with the link to the Zoom call. It's all right in the course. That's why the course itself is the tool that has the invites to the workshop. And again, all the information to teach you the anatomy. So it's no more of this drop into this workshop and get like an hour of info. You're going to have all the info you need to really understand the human movement system. So with that, if you have any questions, let me know. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've loved sharing this with you. I'd love to hear what you think. So send me a DM on Instagram or send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. I hope you have a great week and I hope to uh, hear from you and I will connect with you again on a episode coming a week from today. Thank you so much for being a listener uh, and I can't wait to hear from you and I hope that you have a wonderful week. Alrighty, namaste. Hi there. Well, you made it to the end of the episode and now you're listening to the outro, which is amazing. Thank you so much for staying all the way until the end. So I want to just let you know that I just the other day put on my website on the events page a really cool and short, it's like 20 minutes, recorded workshop that I've done. And it covers how the topic of how to provide effective cues. And this is something that I get asked about all the time. So I wanted to do a special recorded webinar workshop that you could listen to, you can watch because it is uh, an actual visual workshop as if you were there with me in the studio, uh, or you could just listen to it. I think it's gonna be better if you actually watch it. So how you get to this is super easy. You just go to my website, which is barebonesyoga.com. And on the events page, you're going to see the schedule for the events I'm holding on any particular month. And right on that page, you'll see a link to watch the automated webinar. And I like to call them workshops because in the teacher world, yoga teacher world, that's what we call these deep dives we do into different topics. And this one is no different. So just hop over there, barebonesyoga.com, go to the events page. You can watch this uh, webinar that I recently recorded. Here we are in the middle of 2022. And it's got some really cool ideas and strategies that you can use to really build your confidence in your queuing. So once you watch that, if you have any questions, of course, just reach out to me and let me know. And I'm happy to hop on a call with you and answer whatever questions you might have. Namaste.